0: go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase bluenile.com code listen
1: hello and welcome to made by mommas the podcast i'm zoe and i'm georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood tips and tricks products we love and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello, so this is a slightly different episode today. Zoe unfortunately hasn't been able to join us in the studio because of trains and strikes and all of that stuff but we really wanted to get this episode out just because since Gigi was born um, I've been very conscious that she sleeps well or I've tried to help her sleep well and we've had lots and lots of people messaging in um, asking how I got her into a routine, when is a good time to get into a routine, you can probably hear her right now she's drinking her milk, bang on 11, because she's in her routine. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we wanted to get this um, episode out, just, it answers a lot of questions around how to start a routine, you know, whether you should leave them to cry or not, not should, but... You know can leave them to cry whether you should use a dummy or it's not a good idea and we're just basically trying to answer any sleep questions that you've got in this episode. So today we have got somebody who has grown their um, Instagram following pretty big I think it's over 40,000 now Um, she writes online courses for mums um, and dads to, to help their baby sleep Her name is Rosie and she is otherwise known as Just Chill Mama. So, today we are going to be talking about pretty much every parent's favourite subject. (laughs) Um, We're going to be talking about sleep, particularly um, when to start a routine, how to start a routine and all that kind of thing. We are joined today by the lovely Rosie from Just Chill Mama. So, hello! Hello!
2: Thank you for having me. It's amazing to be here. (laughs) Thank you for coming in. Do you feel well rested? I do. Um, Everyone's going to hate me for this, but my kids sleep in quite late, how late? I have to wake them up at eight o'clock. No, I want to say <laughs> shut up. <laughs> eight o'clock? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And you've got a three-year-old? And a six-year-old.
1: So is that because you've sort of trained them
2: to do that? I think they've always been really good sleepers. Um, well, actually, no, that's a lie. Daisy wasn't a good sleeper and that's how I got into this. But um, they've been good sleepers since they are babies and... I just think it's winter. I mean, I still put them to bed at seven. And they get up at like eight.
1: Eight o'clock. That so, is the dream. That is the But it is a bit, dream.
2: I can't complain about it at all, but it is a bit difficult when we have to get up and get out to school and nursery. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, get up. And they're like little teenagers. They like, don't want to get up.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. So look, basically I need to find out how oh. we're going to get to that. Okay, step. cool. So your youngest is three. so yeah. By the time Gigi's three, she's going to be sleeping into eight. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Oh. Oh. And <laughs> giving us a big burp <laughs> um so first up I sort of want to talk about when is a good time to start a routine yeah. um and how do you go about it I know a lot of um sleep experts will say from day one there's yeah. things you can put in place to you know to get off yeah. and get, get off to a good start so but you say six months
2: well I think you can start like a really relaxed rhythm with your baby from day one and by that I mean maybe having a gentle bedtime routine where you're just doing things at the same time in the same order trying to get them down in the evening as well that's I think that is my number one tip for little babies a lot of the time people kind of keep them up and they keep them up and they think that they're fussy because there's something else wrong but actually it can often be that they're tired and they want to wind down and they want it to be dark they want to go to sleep so that kind of having a gentle rhythm, also following your baby's cues. So looking at awake windows and working out with your newborn. Okay, they've they've been awake like an hour, an hour and a half they probably need to go to sleep and sometimes people make the mistake of not trying to help them get to sleep and then it all goes out the window because they're really overtired and they start crying and it's a nightmare so having a bit of a rhythm to your day is really really good from early having a strict regimented regime regime is not for everyone and for some people that's really anxiety inducing I mean with Daisy with my first I remember reading Gina Ford and thinking this is what I need to be doing. I need to be do- like having a cup of tea at this time, putting it down, <laughs> swaddling. I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. I did exactly the same. Yeah, and it's and it really like, I just threw the book out the window. I was like, oh, I can't do this. But actually when I revisited routines and schedules later on, it really, really worked for us. Yeah. Um, so I think it depends on the person. With Lola, with my second, she was in a pretty strict re- regime routine from about 10 weeks And it worked really, really well for us. But it was a routine that suited her. And all babies are different. All parents are different. And some of us are more routine-based people than others. I really love a routine. Yeah. So it really, really suited us to have her in that routine from early. So in terms of having more of a structured day I would say for the majority of people six months is a really good time to start they've started eating yeah um also their melatonin and their sleep hormones have developed a little bit so it's quite a good time to start um so what does
1: that mean so so they're
2: able to regulate their hormones and their sleep they find it easier to connect sleep cycles potentially on their own ah. whereas previously they might have needed a bit of our help or When they're very small, they kind of just pass out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because I think... At the beginning a lot of people feel like they've really got the sleep nailed. Yeah. Because that's kind of all they do. Yeah, exactly. Is they just sleep and then they might not really wake up that many times in the night, so you think, Oh, well, this is alright, yeah. this is fine and then they get a bit more alert, especially I think for me it was around like thirteen weeks. Yeah. I started thinking, Okay, cool, right, we need to sort something yeah. out here because she won't go to sleep unless I put her down. Exactly. Um so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I completely get it. But Zoe and I love a routine. We, yeah. um, we've we both had routines with our kids since, well, with Axel, eight weeks, I think. Yeah. I got him into a routine, maybe slightly later with Luna. But we've both been really, you know, yeah. we, we like it. We like to know when we're going to get some time to ourself, Um, It's for really naps. important. Yeah. And, and actually
2: for the babies as well, I see so many overtired babies and they're just wired. Yeah. It's like they've had shots of espresso. Yeah, exactly. That nice. is... It's the cortisol, stress hormone. When we get overtired, we're, like, wired, and then we can't sleep, and then you get into this vicious cycle. So babies do really benefit from it, and those who are in a really good routine do seem more relaxed.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, we're all the same as adults, aren't we? Yeah, like, exactly. If I have a few nights where I haven't slept, I find it really difficult to yeah. sleep um, yeah. that night. Even if I've got nothing on my mind, um, you know, nothing to do, I still can't fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Um, So... Say, you know, baby six months, haven't had a routine yet. They might be going down when um, parents go to sleep at like 9, 10 o'clock
2: or something. Where do we start? What do we do? So I always like to start the day at the same time every day or try to. You'll find that your baby does have kind of a natural time. They might stare in the morning or they might wake up. Um, But trying to get it close ish to seven i know it's not realistic for everyone and it depends on your lifestyle and you know what time you need to be out and stuff like that but trying to start the day at a similar time every day and trying to end the day at a similar sort of time every day and then structuring your naps so if we're looking at around six months old they're going to need a morning nap and that's normally sort of two ish hours after they've got up um and they'll need another one sort of after lunch hopefully a nice long one yes Um, (laughs) and possibly some babies need a third nap and others don't and this is where it's about trying to tailor a routine to suit you and your baby um and some prescribed routines out there, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening has probably read every baby book. Like when we have <laughs> when we have kids, we read all the books and we're like, oh, my God, it's so confusing. Yeah. There's so many different routines and approaches. But finding something that suits you and your baby and not being overwhelmed and thinking, right, I absolutely have to do it at this time. It might be that for you and your baby, OK, it might be half an hour different to... Gene Ford routine or whoever else's routine you're reading?
1: Yeah, because for me, first time round, I was quite regimented, like, with Axel. So I used to put... He used to probably get up about half six, seven, and then I used to put him back down for a morning nap at about half eight, nine o'clock. But now I have school drop-offs to think of. Uh. So I have to... I usually leave the house at say half eight and that's usually in the car to drop my husband um, where he's going and then I then drop Axel to school and so I probably don't get back from that morning routine till half nine I'd say Um, and then sometimes I think she's overtired by then. Does she fall asleep in the car? Um, yeah, she does fall asleep in the car, yeah. but then when I have to get her out the car mm. to take
2: Axel in, she'll then wake up. Uh, so yeah, this is the stumbling point. Yeah. I, well, I want to tell everyone a secret. Naps on the go still count. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <Good>. Like people, <laughs> people do worry and they think if they're not napping in the cot, like this is a disaster. I mean, ideally, yeah, they would be in the cot and that means you can get things done in the house, you can relax, you can do whatever you need to do. But if you're having a nap on the go, it's fine. Um, and sometimes that needs to happen. For example, with my two, Daisy was at nursery and I used to walk her to nursery and Lola was a baby and she would have her morning nap on the way in the buggy. Yeah. The issue is if you have to disturb them mid-nap. Yeah, it's the
1: getting out of the car. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've tried putting a snooze shade over yeah. the car love seat. love a snooze shade. Yeah. And I've got a doona, so the wheels do just flip yeah. out. Um and then putting white noise underneath yeah. but then I get really conscious because I think all the other mums just think I'm an absolute oh, nutter because no, they can just hear <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> and Axel's usually like what's that what's going on and I'm like oh gosh mate do you know we what? Just you've need got to, to do sleep. what
2: you've got to do don't worry about other mums yeah. I always say this to people like honestly there's enough mum guilt and judgement out there don't worry about it do mm. what you do. You. <laughs> who cares as long as the baby's sleeping yeah you're right actually so
1: do, so do you think I should just put her in the car seat yeah cover her over yeah. with this new shade put the white noise on and then hope that she'll just sleep
2: yeah that's yeah. what I would say and if she do you know what if she doesn't she doesn't like don't panic and think oh my god this is a disaster this isn't going to work as she gets older she will be able to last until you get home yeah um although half nine would be quite late for it her is nap. isn't but it yeah, yeah. that would be a, quite a bit older um but yeah she it's okay I mean does she do her lunchtime nap in the car
1: yeah, she does her lunchtime nap in oh, the Perfect, car, But it's not very long. This is the thing I have. So even when I do stay at home hmm. and someone else takes Axel to school, she will only, I mean, she has a couple of times slept for like two hours in the morning. Yeah. A couple of times. And I've wondered what the hell was going on. <laughs> um, and been in check as she was yeah. breathing and everything. But usually it's just an hour. So usually she'll have an hour in the morning at yeah. like, some time, an hour at lunchtime, and then an hour in the afternoon. But I just feel like it's not enough. That is enough. It is
2: enough. Overall, that's quite a lot of sleep. It is, yeah. If she's sleeping well at night, so... Yeah. If she was waking loads at night and being awake for periods in the night, I would say she must be shattered. But if she's having a good night's sleep and three hours across the day, that's absolutely fine. So, is that about how long they should be having? Well, this is the thing. I don't like to say they should be having a certain amount because... With all humans, we have different sleep requirements. Yeah. And again, I find it really anxiety-inducing, those guides where you read, this is what your baby should be doing at this age. They should be doing X amount of hours. It, it's There's so many variables. What time did they wake up? What time did they go to bed? Were they awake in the night? Um, genu- generally, what's their sleep requirement as well? So I don't like to say she should be doing this. Yeah. However, as a general guide, I'd be saying two to three naps. Yeah. If she's doing, I mean, a lot of them... This is another little secret for you. A lot of them do a shorter morning nap. Yeah. And that can help lengthen the lunchtime, the lunchtime one. Yeah. So it might be worth just, do you know what, if she wakes up after half an hour, don't worry. Some of them will only do half an hour in the morning. Because
1: that's what gives me like real anxiety is that I'm always thinking in the morning, she's only had like, even if she's had 45 minutes, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's only had 45 minutes. No, and that's fine. a disaster. Now the
2: rest of the day is ruined. No, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> So, it's fine. Yeah, a lot of babies on the routines I do might only be having half an hour, 45 minutes. In the morning. Yeah, the one that you really, really want to focus on, the most important one, is the one after lunch. Because this nap is the most restorative, lovely nap that we can hope they have. Because it's in the middle of the day. There's kind of pretty much equal amounts of awake time on either side. So, it means that if they do that nice long nap at lunchtime, by the time they get to bed... They're not overtired. They're not undertired. Yeah, they're hopefully just right. right. And also for mums and dads, it's really important to have that time for yourself in the middle of the day to take you know take a breath, have some lunch. Yeah, do something, chill out, scroll Instagram, whatever you <laughs> whatever you do with your time. Yeah, um, that was always the most precious time to me, especially with my first. I remember thinking, I like, ah, oh, you know, I can sit and have an uninterrupted cup of tea. I can. Yeah, watch Kardashians, whatever I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Or do the hoovering. Yeah, exactly. I know. Don't. That's what I find. That's what I found most difficult this time round is that she doesn't sleep for very long yeah. when we're at home. Yeah. And so then everything else seems to feel like it's falling apart. But going back to, um, if you haven't got a routine and yeah. you're at six months, if you say, "Oh yeah, no, put them down for a sleep at this time," what happens if they just don't go to sleep? How do you get them to go into that?
2: Well, go- getting a baby to sleep, so this is something I talk about quite a lot with my clients and on my on my courses as well. Children need to get themselves to sleep. The only person that can get someone to sleep is an anaesthet- anaesthetist, right? <laughs> we well, don't have those Yeah, eyes. exactly. We're all born with the inherent ability to sleep, okay? So it's just getting baby into a situation where they feel relaxed, comfortable and safe and able just to go to sleep. Um, and for some people that sounds like that would be a miracle, but it is actually naturally how we, how we we've evolved. We evolved we are able to sleep. So it's creating a really good sleep environment and helping your baby learn those skills to settle on their own.
1: So how do we create? A okay, sleep
2: sleep so environment? <laughs> sleep environment. So I always talk about cavemen, right? So imagine the conditions that we used to live in before modern life. Wow. So in terms of nighttime, very dark yeah quite cool as well a lot of people have houses that are far too hot i love a warm house do you we all we all actually sleep better when it's a bit cooler so 16 to 19 degrees is optimal that feels amazing i have our house is about 16 degrees at night 16 so it's pretty cold yeah but we actually sleep better if we have more layers more layers and cooler environment rather than hot environment and like tiny cover like we actually sleep better when it's cooler so having a nice cool room um, for babies nice clear cot firm cot mattress um no loose bedding and things like that this is all kind of safe sleeping guidelines yeah um if anyone's ever not sure by the way check out the lullaby trust the baby sleep charity they have really really good guidelines and research that they've done um we want um them to feel comfortable and reassured in their environment so some things that can really help. I love comforters. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say what about comforters. Yeah,
2: introducing a comforter around this age is brilliant. So it's an attachment object where they can essentially comfort themselves with something that's controlled by them rather than controlled by you. Because if it's controlled by you, then you're potentially gonna need to be on hand between every sleep cycle in the night, okay? So we go through sleep cycles in the night between light and deep sleep. Yeah. The transition between sleep cycles happens around five to six times a night. Okay, cool. so you don't want to be up. Five no, to so six this is times. when people when people contact me and they say this is a nightmare. I'm up. I say how many times are you up? Six times, seven times, maybe. <clears throat> That's how I know it's every sleep cycle. So having something that they can control is really really helpful. Um, dummies can help.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask hinder. about this. Yeah, yeah.
2: So. Um, some babies will be fine they'll go to sleep suck their dummy falls out does, they don't wake up again yeah others will wake up wanting the parents to replace it
1: ah uh, yeah so I don't put Gigi to sleep with her dummy. Uh. I use it as like um because sometimes around five thirty, I think it's when the heating comes on actually okay she might stir and I give that to her and she'll go straight back to sleep sometimes yeah. she doesn't but I and I, obviously I use it during the day like now <laughs> when we're in the when we're in well, the podcast <laughs> <for it>, yeah. <laughs> and she needs to require yeah yeah but so so yeah what what are your thoughts on a dummy? Um, I
2: think my rule is if the dummy is causing you issues it's got to go yeah um if it's helping you there's nothing wrong with it dummies actually really good for babies with reflux as well yeah you can help soothe it and it, they're really good for preemies as well because they can help teach them to suck so there's good benefits to them um but yeah if you're up doing what I call the dummy run yeah like six seven times a night it's got to go it's not helping you no um slightly older babies than Gigi might be able to put it, put it in themselves in which case I say put a few dummies around the cot yeah let them do it <laughs> but it shouldn't be that it's like this horrible thing you're like oh the dummy's falling out oh the dummy's falling out you're gonna need to just get rid of it if that's the case and I promise you babies can sleep without a dummy even if they've been used to it we are pre-programmed we are hardwired to go to sleep essentially we die if we don't, if we don't sleep for long enough, we do actually die. So we we need to. Yeah, stay. this is quite important. So this is the thing. Parents will always say to me, "Oh, but if I don't do this, they'll never go to sleep." They will. They will go to sleep. It's just how long it takes. So creating really good environment. So you want it nice and dark, nice and cool. I don't really buy into all these gadgets. Like what? What are we talking? Like. My most hated gadgets are probably those, like, light things, like blue lights on the ceiling. Oh, yes. (laughs) They drive me bonkers. (laughs) We don't need lights, okay? Yeah. So it's not really till we kind of get to toddler age that kids might start saying, I'm scared of the dark. Yeah, night light, yeah. We don't need light. We're not designed to have that. Like, as I said, think cavemen. And blue and white light, which is artificial light, disturbs our sleep so it disturbs it inhibits melatonin production which is our sleepy hormone so we want the room nice and dark a lot of people will say to me "From with six months old six month olds they're afraid of the dark i'm like they're not at all <laughs> they've come from the womb the womb yeah. is a dark place okay babies aren't afraid of the dark they don't have these things that are like learned things as we get older and as you know they grow into children and they start hearing stories and things like that so have it really nice and dark um Nice and cool and try and put them down awake. Yes. This is the key. It's yeah. the key to all of it. Sometimes it's hard though, it isn't is. it? It is. Because
1: you give them their milk and you have a cuddle and then they're exactly. really, like asleep. And do
2: you know what? that feeding to sleep a lot of people do it and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and you do sometimes get these mad unicorn babies where you feed them to sleep and they will sleep for 12 hours yeah it's not always the case so you know if you're out there and you're feeding to sleep and you're thinking well it works for me there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but if it's not working for you and they're startling awake half an hour later maybe move away from it because if you put them down last thing they've known they're on the bottle they're on the boob having a cuddle then they wake up and think oh my god where am I
1: yeah what's happened this is
2: awful I'm not safe I need to cry to tell mum and dad that something's happened because you know I don't know where I was where yeah, I am yeah
1: yeah, yeah. It's the, I mean it's the same isn't it when you wake up in a hotel and you're like <gasps> where yes,
2: where am I? yeah and that's like I'm terrible and we go on holiday <laughs> the first night of holiday I never sleep yeah because yeah. I'm like oh I don't know where I am I don't like this the body needs to feel safe and this is something that's been in us since the beginning of time um, in order to si- oh, she right <laughs> <mind? laughs> in order to, to sleep soundly we need to feel that we're in a safe sleep environment and the body's really really clever so between sleep cycles and the night we're doing what I call safety checks. our bodies like stirring we all stir in our sleep even though we don't remember it as adults but we' stir and the body's checking am I safe to go back into a deep sleep because in a deep sleep we're really vulnerable we'd we're harder to wake up so like potential dangers predators again when we were cavemen yeah we needed to protect ourselves against those the body does these little safety checks and checks is my environment the same has something changed if something if we perceive a change we will wake up
1: i see okay so that's yeah
2: this is the key it's, like, it's a protection system in the body so not with all babies but with a lot of babies if you put them down asleep they wake up and, and they then think, wonder where, where are you are? then you go back and you do the same thing you were doing whether that was I don't know cuddling, feeding patting, shushing whatever none of these things are wrong but it might be that you need to do them yeah. X amount of times a night to get them back to sleep so yeah and so what about white noise you said you don't like gadgets what about white noise um, I don't mind white noise I think white noise is really good for newborns Yeah. I'm quite a logical person. I like the science and the logic. And if you think about it, they've come from the womb. The womb is quite a noisy place in terms of your heartbeat. They hear kind of rattling around, I guess, um, sort of echoey sounds. And it's quite reassuring to a newborn to have like a consistent sort of boring, like a whooshing, shushing kind of noise similar to a heartbeat. Um, I think for newborns, it can be great. I don't think there's any point introducing it later on. I think if you're already doing it, it's good. If you've got a noisy house, it can be good.
1: Yeah, I find it really useful when Axel's home and, like, banging, crashing, yeah, and yeah, yeah. all of that, I'll whack on the white noise. Yeah. But I also now feel like I can't sleep without it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and when we move house she's going to be in her own room so um, I'm hoping I'll learn how to sleep without it well,
2: what you can do is gradually turn it down every night the volume yeah and if your sleep or your baby's sleep isn't affected then you can just get rid of it um but the key with white noise is if you're going to have it it needs to be on all the time yes so again it's about sleep conditions and having things the same the whole night so um There are certain gadgets that will turn off after like 20 minutes. We know what they are, don't we? Yeah, there's a few of them actually. There's more and more on the market all the time. But yeah... Then people run the risk of like having to go in and turn it back on like six times a night. Yeah. So you don't need to spend loads of money on on this stuff. You can just use an app on your phone or an iPad, um, or a really basic white noise machine from Amazon, um, and just have it on all the time. But if you do have it on, you need to have it on for naps and nighttime. So just all the time. Yeah.
1: So say you've created a really good sleep routine. Yeah what do we call it, environment, um, yes. and it's cool and it's dark and she's, they've got a comforter, yeah. but they don't, they're still not going to sleep. There's crying. Do you believe in controlled crying or letting them cry or what's what do you sort of, what okay. would you
2: suggest? So I think controlled crying, sleep training, all of these things have a really, really bad rap these days. Yeah, um, But if you have everything else in place, there shouldn't really need to be a load of crying, so you need to look at everything else first and I'm not all about leaving them to cry yeah but I am about having a good sleep environment having a really good routine so for example if you've done a nap too late too long they're not going to be ready for bed and if you do try and put them down try and teach them how to sleep they are going to cry for absolutely ages and that's kind of not fair on everyone but if you feel confident you've got a great routine you've done everything you need to do then comforting your baby or leaving them to cry for short periods he's okay yeah that's the secret you know the data and the research none of it tells us that controlled crying in terms of short periods of time is damaging so what would you say like short periods do you build it so up or you can do and i like to time it sometimes depending on the parent. so if you're the kind of parent where you feel like, i mean a minute of your child crying can feel like an eternity yeah so if you're like that then it can be useful to time it to kind of put it into perspective um but if it's going to cause you lots of anxiety then don't time it listen to your baby so the first thing and my big tip for everyone out there whatever you believe whatever your parental beliefs are is if you put your baby down and they're not actually crying but they're sort of whinging or you hear them stir in the night, you don't need to run in. Yeah, because okay? I
1: think, I, I do this at the moment where Gigi's in our room mm. and I would never have done it with no. Axel, ever. I was really quite strict when I look back and yeah. it, I, I guess it worked because he's, be, he's been pretty good but now for some reason if she starts stirring in the night, I'll like put my hand on her
2: yeah. and I'm like, why are you doing and this, that? This is a thing, you don't need to do it unless they're really asking for you. Yeah. So, it's very common for babies to stir between these sleep cycles i was talking about they might roll around they might talk to themselves they might have a little moan or groan or a fart or like (laughs) whatever it is you don't need to rush into them unless they're upset because if they really want you they'll tell you yeah so it's about trusting them but also giving them that space to experience what it is to be in their own sleep environment to feel okay i'm actually all right i'm in bed it's quite a nice thing to be in bed right we all quite like it yeah and if you don't give them five seconds to know what that is how can they ever experience it and enjoy it um going forward in their lives so leaving them for a little bit is okay um everyone's different you don't have to leave your baby to cry this is the other thing so some people i work with I'm not happy to leave them in for a minute. But my rule is, if they're not crying, you need to leave them alone. Yeah. If they're crying, it would be minimal intervention. Your job as a parent is to reassure your child. It's not to get them to sleep. Similarly, if they were learning to ride a bike, they fell off and cried. You wouldn't be like, you're never going to ride a bike again. I'm always (laughs) going to push you. I'll ride it for you. But you'd say, it's all right. I'm still here. Everything's fine. We're going to start again. Yeah. It's like teaching any skill. Um... And if you change things, if you've been doing things a certain way, there is potentially going to be tears because they're telling you you're doing something different. I don't like this. This is weird. Yeah. But they're not going to be thinking you've abandoned me. No one loves me. The logical, critical part, thinking part of their mind is not developed at this age. Okay. so babies think in the moment they are thinking about surviving because they're hardwired to survive. So they're thinking, what are you doing this is different I don't like this but they're not thinking because you've done X that means Y okay, okay? and leaving your baby for two, three minutes it's okay. is not going to damage them so
1: they're not laying there thinking my mummy hates me no. she's abandoned me she's never coming no. back they
2: don't think like that Okay. Babies don't think like that. And I think it's a common misconception. And the, there's loads of stuff I hear about sleep training. I mean, I call it sleep teaching. And the reason I do that is because sleep training just has such a bad reputation. Yeah, it sounds pretty scary. And people assume sleep training means you put them down at seven and you don't go in till seven o'clock in the morning. That's like a really old school, outdated dusty old way of doing it and it's pretty harsh as well. Like, I've never So what
1: so so they think you put them down at seven and then you say, Right, that's it, I'm never go going to go in whatever. whatever happens. I've heard
2: people who do that.
1: <gasps> oh my goodness. yes yeah. I
2: Wowzer. mean that's it's bonkers. But that's not what sleep training or sleep teaching is. Sleep teaching you can actually do it in really, really gentle ways. I mean I've helped people who co sleep and who actually don't want to stop co sleeping. Yeah. And there's improvements that can be made. It's it's changing your routine changing how you react to situations so there's something called the habit loop so you can get into a habit of doing things um and something happens and it's how you react to it and that's how you change the result so if you're co-sleeping because this is another thing um a lot of us when
1: we go on holiday might co-sleep or Mm. we might co-sleep just for a week or two weeks or something i know like with my son he obviously he's three but when pretty much actually most of the time, when we've been on holiday, he's always ended up sleeping in our bed because the cot in the hotel is like really uncomfortable. Yeah, or you know, he can see us, so yeah. he's not happy to be in there. Um, so, what are those things that you can do if you're co sleeping?
2: So, it's different if you're co sleeping all the time. To if you're just doing it on holiday. Mm. And a lot of people might find. I mean, I found this. We co-slept. I co-slept with Lola. I think it was last summer. Yeah, it was an absolute <laughs> s show. You can say it. You say shit show. It was yeah. a shit show. It was a nightmare. <laughs> I didn't sleep. She didn't sleep. She kicked me in the stomach. Like, oh, it's horrible. But that's because we're not used to it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people that co-sleep and it, it's fine. But if, for example, I've had someone come to me with a one-year-old. Who was co-sleeping, it was working all really well and then it just started to go downhill and she was waking up like 10 times a night and what she was doing needed to change and that's how we improved it and she was getting a better night's sleep. But it's also managing what that, per- that specific person actually wants to achieve because we're all different as some of us some some parents are okay with getting up once or twice in the night it might be you're looking at me I'm like, horrified I'm some people are okay with that so when I work with someone I always say "What what is it that you want to achieve some people see, will say I need 12 hours out sleep out of them yeah. I know that's what they need that's what I need some people say to me look I'll be fine if I'm just getting up once or twice rather than 10 times yes like yeah, honestly yeah. some people are doing that so and some people who are listening probably are yes yeah. um, I know, you hear it all the time, actually. There is hope and you can make improvements. You don't have to leave them to cry. But if that is the situation you're in, I want to reassure you that that's also okay. So co-sleeping, if you're doing it, you want to improve it. It might just be that if you were turning over and feeding them 10 times a night, you might reduce that and use other settling techniques rather than doing that to see if you can help help them settle. I mean, some people would tell me things like, they are basically their baby's comforter as in they'll pull their hair <gasps> so my sister had this my oh. sister has four children yeah and her youngest she co-slept with her till she was one and she <laughs> you wouldn't believe it with me as a sleep consultant <laughs> sister um, and she came to me one day and she said Rosie I've got to stop this because she's pulling my hair out like actually pulling her hair out oh my because she was using her hair as a comforter I said you have to stop this yeah it's time and she said actually it's taken me till she's one to, to get to want her to sleep away from me and now i'm ready for her to sleep in a cot and to stop pulling my hair
1: i see how people get into it though because i think especially when you've got multiple children you mm. sort of will do anything for a good exactly. night's sleep and you don't want the younger one to disturb the older yeah. one because yeah. that's that was bit be- that was my fear second time round was yeah. if she was crying then she was going to disturb axel yeah. um but luckily, it's n- it's not really happened. He seems to not really wake up when she's crying, or she has yeah. been. So, but I think that does. And so then you just think, oh, I'll do anything like, yeah. to keep to keep them quiet and keep. And then you do get into those
2: habits where you are like, yeah, you're their comfort, you're their soother. Exactly. Um, I mean, I see it a lot with siblings actually. So people have siblings sharing rooms, or where they live in a house where I don't know they've got quite thin walls, and they're like just ultra paranoid about waking up the older ones they say i can't do this i can't tackle sleep but you can yeah and i think with in that situation i say to people do you know what clear the diary for a few days or do it over a weekend yes if you're quite determined and you stick to a plan you can sort it out relatively quickly it's possible um if you go down a super super gentle gently slowly route it will take longer yeah but it's what's right for you but yeah if you've got a sibling Don't worry, just go for it. I mean, I help twins and multiples. I've helped triplets before. (gasps) Yeah. And actually, you'll find when the other sibling, whether Mm. that's multiple or older, younger sibling, is in their deep period of sleep, they're very unlikely to be woken by the other one crying. Right,
1: okay. So
2: it's only kind of in the light sleep. And especially if you've got like a three, four year old and a baby... It's unlikely they're going to be kept up the whole night by it. It might be that they stir and you just need to go and reassure them and say everything's all right. Yeah, that it's okay. We're just trying to get your little brother or sister back to sleep.
1: Yeah, because um, at, at the moment in our house, um, our, my, mine our my husband's bedroom is actually a few floors above oh, wow. Axel's bedroom. So it's been great because, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was still worried about it, but mm. actually it, it, she wasn't going to disturb him. But in the new house they're literally right next door Ooh. to each other and I mean there's loads of worries that come with that like Kim going in and trying to get her out and all those sorts yeah. of things which I'm pretty sure are probably gonna happen but that is one of the things them disturbing each other that so I'm like oh. do you know
2: what my girls actually show a room do I love that and I moved Layla in with with Daisy when she was two and a bit yeah um and I thought oh, my God, like, this is, what's she going to do? Are they Are going to be up? Then they're, they're fine. Yeah. They really like it, actually. They like having the company. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll wake up in the morning and, like, get, get into bed with each other and, like, have a cuddle. Oh, so cute. I love that. Sometimes Daisy will read Lola a story as well. I'm like, oh, my God, you're so cute. <laughs>
1: and you're just laying in bed loving life. I am. <laughs> All I am. the extra yeah. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back, just, we was yeah. we touched on
2: dummies. Yes. Um, how do you get rid of it? Oh, cold turkey. Cold turkey. Do you know what? There there isn't really another way to do it. Yeah. to be fair to them, you've just got to get rid of it. So first of all, if you're someone that uses a dummy like all night and all day, then the first thing I would say is reserve it only for sleep times. Right. Strictly speaking we should only have them for sleep times anyway but people use them like situations like Like now where Gigi's (laughs) Um, loving
1: her dummy. (laughs) Yeah exactly
2: like babies do like to suck things it's just it's how how they're made and it's how they soothe themselves there's nothing wrong with it but if you're looking to get rid of a dummy then I would initially remove it during the day um, reserve it for sleep times only and then when you're ready get rid of it but the time to get rid of it will be bedtime okay so any new sleep change or things we're introducing that different i always introduce it at bedtime okay because you have biology on your side right so at bedtime melatonin our sleep hormone is quite high sleep pressure which is something that has to build in order for us to go to sleep is also high so you've got the most chance of them accepting a new sleep condition i.e not having a dummy but they will cry so you need to be prepared for it so you're going to be doing whatever you do to comfort them whether that's you staying with them the whole time maybe you use a comforter instead, that's actually a really good way of doing it is introducing a comforter Um, reassuring them, whatever you need to do but once you get rid of it you just need to chuck them in That's the bed.
1: That's it. I remember with Axel, I got rid of his dummy just before his first birthday. Yeah. And like you said, clearing the diary, I just thought, right, this next few days yeah. are like a complete write-off. Um, but actually, it probably only took, I wouldn't even say 48 hours. It yeah. probably took like one... Yeah, one night's sleep, like at night, and then a couple of naps during the day. And yeah. then that was that That's was the done. thing. It
2: can it can be really, really quick. And you have to throw them away you as well. You do, because otherwise you're tempted. Yeah, They'll exactly. crying for 10 minutes. You think, oh my God, I've got to put, get this, get it out of the bin, yeah. clean it. Oh, I'll do it another it. time.
1: It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it. But no, I, I know oh, it's so difficult. Like, Gigi's obviously not too attached to her darling yeah. now. But I'm even thinking now, like, while she's not too attached do i
2: just you could do it's what's right for you and her instinctively i think you'll make the right decision yeah i mean like i said there are benefits to dummies um but there are negative sides to them and there there are studies to show that They can have an increased chance of getting middle ear infections because they suck bacteria in. That's one of the negatives. Yeah. Um, Obviously, as they get older, as their teeth start coming through, it can affect uh, their teeth and their jaw and potentially speech. Yeah. Um, But really, those issues, especially I think with speech, come when older children have them and they have them in the day. Yeah. So really if they're sucking a dummy those little noises and those precursors to speech that we have like when they mimic you and things like that it can stop them doing it because there's a dummy in the way so those are the kind of negatives but you know i'm not here to judge anyone and i think if it's working for you and it's helping you there's nothing wrong with it then just go for it yeah but 12 months is the time that nhs guidelines are you should try and get rid of them by 12, about 12 months. months
1: oh okay i didn't know that at the time yeah. i just did it because he was going to nursery and i thought yeah no
2: those are the guidelines six to 12 months ideally is the time you get rid of a dummy but, but i mean i know loads of people with, i do you know what i had a dummy till i was four did you yeah i had to have braces Oh, had train tracks. And you forget about all that stuff. Actually, oh, no. like teeth and then so talking. Like, Mum, why did you let me have a dummy? Truck? There's pictures of me like holding like, all these dummies.
1: <laughs> Easy good. life. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, no, I think Gigi is getting hungry. I can okay. hear. Okay. <laughs> but um, thank you so much. That's been really, You're really. You're so useful. welcome. I've loved it. it I could. love talking me about me sleep. too. I could. I mean, I've got a hundred and one questions. So maybe we'll have to do um, like an Instagram live or something. Oh, soon we should. That'd people. be really good. Yeah. Um, so, every um, guest that we have on, we ask you to give us your five favourite products. Okay. Um, so,
2: what, what's on your list? Okay, so I'm not a massive one for gadgets and things, as I've said. <laughs> yes. Um I think babies really just need somewhere safe to sleep and to be fed and changed. However, there's a few things that can be helpful. So, number one thing is a really good sleeping bag okay and where Baby should we go for bag. one of those do you know what it's loads on the market and there's no specific brand that's better than another one um even the supermarkets do them so you don't yeah. need to spend a fortune but just a good fitting one that's not gonna um ride up and be a hazard um so a good sleeping bag um, and with sleeves
1: without sleeves what do you think um
2: i think without i just, i always think they get a bit hot i always worry about them overheating yeah um so yeah good sleeping bag um the other thing i mentioned as well earlier is a nice comforter yes that's good um There's actually something that's come out recently that I I wish had been around when I had mine when they were small, which is called a me light, a me-moo light. Right. It's a small amber, like, clip-on light that you can use when you're feeding. So when you've got a newborn, you don't have to turn the light on. And I always remember when I was breastfeeding, like, trying to latch them on was a nightmare. Yeah, in the dark. Um, Or even if you're bottle feeding, you're trying to, like check that they're actually feeding alright. You don't want to turn the lights on. And it's an amber light, and amber is the colour of light that doesn't disturb our sleep. Oh, that's so really I good. think this is amazing this invention. So I would get that if I was having another baby or I was advising someone um another product. My sleep course. <laughs> obviously. Of course. Um yeah, but really I don't think they need loads of gadgets. I think just Trust your instinct, create a good environment, use logic, science, and you'll, you'll be fine.
1: So where can people find you um, if they want to contact you for advice or I know you do sleep courses? Yes,
2: so um, the best place to look is my Instagram which is at just underscore chill underscore mama or my website justchillbabysleep.co.uk You'll see on my Instagram, if you look in my bio, there's links to the website. There's also my YouTube channels. Anyone who wants free sleep advice, I created this as a resource for everyone. Lots of people have helped their babies just through looking at my free content i've got my online courses which at the moment i've got one for six to nine months and one for 10 to 18 months there's lots more coming next year as Brilliant. well which is super exciting um and i do do one-to-ones my waiting list for phone calls opens in january um, and i book home visits year round so instagram's a good place to find me if not my website
1: Brilliant. well thank you so much you're so welcome to get Gigi into a better routine <laughs> So, hopefully, um, Rosie has answered any questions you've got about sleep. If she hasn't and you've got um, another question you want to ask, you can always message me at madebymummas or Zoe at Zoe Hardman or obviously drop Rosie a line. Um, She does lots of one-to-ones and I'm sure she'll answer any DMs. Um, So, with products, I guess... I'm going to contradict what Rosie said in that I do still love a few little sleep products. Um, So for me, my number one thing has been the Marpak white noise machine. I've spoken about it before, um, but it's just a little tiny round portable machine so you can have either have it on charge or it can be um obviously no wires so you can put it in the buggy or the um car seat get it from amazon i think it's about 30 pounds but it's absolutely fantastic um second again um not a not a gadget but Sleeping bags. I actually love the sleeping bags from Sainsbury's. They're chew, so they actually they have loads of different characters on them. I think Gigi's got like Winnie the Pooh and Elmer. And they, I think they're about £12, £15. And for me, I actually hate washing, so I'd rather have more and only have to wash them once a week than have like a really expensive one that I'm going to have to wash all the time so that yeah number two um number three is the snooze pod now i'm probably gonna move gg out of it pretty soon but she is still little so it's fine for her it's just it looks nicer than some of the other next to me cribs um it's wooden it can rock it also has the tilt so if they do suffer from any reflux you can um tilt it up a bit so that would be another one. So four would be the snooze shade. Now, originally, I bought the snooze shade for holidays because um, I thought that it could help shield from the sun and good for naps. But actually, um, I did say in the episode that getting Gigi, you know, out of the car, into school to drop Axel off, or if I'm dropping her in the creche or whatever, it just, I just pop it over her doona, um, and it obviously means that it's dark for her and she doesn't really notice the different in light and and that kind of stuff so basically that's a great that's a really really great thing um you can use it on holiday as well i think it comes in two different styles one is for like a newborn carry cot and then one's for a normal buggy but i just use the, the normal one <laughs> I haven't changed it and lastly this is a bit of a weird one but I really think that it works not so much for babies or toddlers actually toddlers Axel sometimes will use it it's a sleep spray so I use the Wren sleep spray and I'll just spray it on my pillow and I do actually think that it helps me drift off and there is a kids one um, by Bob and Blossom um, and it's got the hungry Caterpillar on it I think I put it on my stories a little while ago and it obviously didn't work for G but Axel quite like you know quite likes spraying that on his pillow. I mean, I don't think it helps him sleep anymore, but you know, worth a go. So there are five favourite products to do sleep. Um, if you've liked the episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. And even if you think it's a bit rubbish, just pretend you didn't. And um, and please just give us a five star rating anyway. <laughs> um, as always, um, you can get in touch at Made by Mommers or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman. And we will see you next week.